This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4. We've been going through the book of Ephesians for the last several weeks. And in covering the first three chapters, Paul, in writing the last of the letters that he wrote to the church. Now, they weren't the last letters that he wrote before he was martyred but uh, the last of the, the letters to the church. The, the uh, only other letters he wrote after the book of Ephesians or the letter to the Ephesians is uh, letters to uh, Timothy and to Titus. And, uh, and those were several years after, we believe, the, uh, the letter that was written to the Ephesians. But Paul is um, uh, taking a big picture point of view with the letter to the Ephesians. And it wasn't just intended to be for the Ephesians, but to be passed around among the other churches of Asia, what we know of as modern-day Turkey. And um, uh, Paul takes a big picture view of the church in the book of Ephesians, much more so than he does in any of the other letters that he writes. He's backing up, stepping back, so to speak, and, uh, and identifying here's what the church is and what it should be and how it should operate in the world. As a result, he gives us some information in the first three chapters about God's plan of redemption, the plan that he ordained and, and set in motion before the foundations of the world about Jesus coming to the earth about the work of the Holy Spirit to regenerate us and to make us new creatures in Christ Jesus, to show forth his wisdom. Paul says to show forth his wisdom that was a mystery or a secret hidden from the world, hidden from the ages. And that mystery that has now been revealed is to show the victory of redemption, the benefits, the characteristics, the results of redemption in our exercising victory over the devil in our everyday lives. That's what glorifies God. Paul specifically identifies the thing that brings God glory more than anything else. Now, singing is good. We want to do that. Praying is good. The Bible tells us to do that. We want to do the things that we think of as being glorifying to God. But the Bible says that the thing that glorifies God the most is our exercising the devil's defeat, victory over the devil because of the work of Jesus on the cross to overcome the devil's attacks in our everyday lives. As a result, Paul starts in chapter 4, and he changes gears a little bit. Now he's going to talk practically. It'd be one thing if we ended the book of Ephesians at the end of chapter 3 and said, well, this is what the church is supposed to look like. This is what things are supposed to be, how they're supposed to be. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? But if he doesn't tell us how to accomplish our part, then what good is it? We're left with a goal that we can't attain. So he starts with the practical part. In chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of vocation wherewith you are called. Then for the next 16 verses, he talks about how that we're one body, joined to the Lord by one spirit, the Holy Ghost. He tells about the ministry gifts that are given to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ is built up and increased. And then in verse 17, he goes back to the, the, the thought that he had in verse 1. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. In other words, he's saying, this is not me. This is the Holy Ghost. Paul understood, as we should understand, the difference between what we think and what we're saying and what the Holy Ghost is saying through us. And that's what he's identifying to these churches. He said, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. In other words, it's him that's it's given it me to say it that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, the word other is not in the original transcript. 
He said that you walk not as Gentiles walk. Now, the reason the translators added it, because these are Gentiles that he's writing to. And so the translators look at this and say, well, he can't be talking about Gentiles because they're Gentiles too, and therefore he must mean other Gentiles, unsaved Gentiles. But that's not what Paul is saying at all. Paul is saying the new birth makes a third class of individuals. There's Jews, there's Gentiles, and then there are those who are redeemed. Paul does not even identify them any longer as Gentiles because they're in Christ Jesus. And that's going to be important because the rest of the chapter is going to talk about a change of identity. So he says, I implore you by the word of the Lord, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, that you walk not as the Gentiles do. Not that you walk not as the unsaved. Now, the Gentiles represent the unsaved portion of the world. The Jews represent those that were given the word of God through the law of Moses, many and most of which in Paul's day, as well as in our day, have rejected and held fast the law of Moses and rejected the good news of Jesus. So he says, I implore you that you henceforth walk not as Gentiles walk. How do they walk? How does the unsaved walk? In the vanity of their mind. In the vanity of their mind. Folks, here's the problem with the unsaved world. Here's the reason why people that are unsaved are unsaved. They're walking according to the vanity of their minds. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Notice it's a progression. Ignorance, ignorance, darkness, and blindness. Who being past feeling have given themselves over under lasciviousness, that's sexual immorality, to work all uncleanness. Uncleanness is impure sexual thoughts. With greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. Now I'm going to look back to Romans chapter 1. Uh, with uh, before I make any comments on these uh, uh, verses that we just read, verses uh, 17, 18, and 19, Paul has written the letter to the Romans some, t- some years before. And he knows that the letter to the Romans has been widely circulated. He knows that the Ephesians have heard, uh, if they haven't read the letter, they've certainly heard the principles the, uh, that he uh, presented in the book of Romans. And if it's the Holy Ghost that's giving Paul utterance to write both letters to the Romans as well as to the Ephesians, as well as every other letter he wrote to the church, then the Holy Ghost is not going to contradict one letter with another letter, is he? If it's really the Word of God, it's really inspired by the Word of God, then there's going to be consistency. As a result, Paul is not bringing out whole new thoughts to the Ephesians, it's not like he's saying, well, okay, this is my last letter. I'm about to, uh, you know, a couple of years now, and I'll be going home to be with the Lord. So I've really been holding back the good stuff. He's been sharing the good stuff all along. And so in, in the, the letter to the Ephesians, he summarizes or encapsulates some of the things that he taught to the Romans about the unsaved world. So I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 1 and start reading in verse 21. The thought that Paul is bringing out in this this first chapter is that God has given through the creation every man the opportunity to see him. You ever wondered why so much of the world looks at the creation and thinks that it evolved? That's always baffled me. They look at the, the, and medical science comes up with more information about how man is made and and the intricacies of the the human body and the mind and, and things like that. And, and somehow somebody thinks that there was just some big bang and everything just made itself from there. What idiot could think that? Well, the answer is real simple. One that's operating according to the vanity of his mind. 
And that's what Paul is speaking of. I'll begin in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Paul, speaking of the unsaved, says, Because that when they knew God through the creation, through the, the things that are seen here in the earth, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. That means they didn't recognize him as the creator. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. In other words, they chose to think what they wanted to think instead of what they saw with their eyes to be true. They became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Same progression that Paul talks about in Ephesians. He says, when you choose, and and you need to understand this, folks, this is not just for the unsaved. This is the way the devil works with everybody. There are a lot of Christians that are operating in in this way, not where Jesus is concerned, but where the benefits of redemption are concerned. Instead of thinking according to the truth, instead of accepting what the Bible says to be true, they become vain in their own imaginations. They think their thoughts are more true than the Bible. And that's a form of idolatry. You worship your own thoughts rather than the truth of God. So Paul is saying because when they knew God, here's the reason that the unsaved are in the condition that they are. Here's the reason that the world is in the shape that it's in. You know, there's uh, there's some uh, teaching that uh, that is has always been in place but there are some people that are teaching that are that have gained popularity over the last oh i don't know 20 years 15 years something like that that the idea is that god is in control but folks let me tell you something if god's in control he's got things in a mess are you out there if god is in control then he's schizophrenic Because he's doing good sometimes and doing bad other times. Now, God's not in control. The God of this world, who the Bible identifies as Satan, is in control. And we can all agree that the world is in a mess, can't we? Things are upside down. The truth is a lie, and the lie is the truth. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God or creator. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible, uncorruptible God into an image made unto the corruptible man, like to my corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Here's the next part that Paul talks about in Ephesians. Gave them up to uncleanness. That's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about here's where the devil takes you. When you start thinking that your thoughts matter more than the truth, then your heart, your spirit becomes darkened, and God gives you up to uncleanness. Verse 24 again, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Some people have a hard time with this God gave them up. Well, it's God's fault. Everybody thinks it's God's fault. Everything's God's fault because God's in control. Where it says God gave them up, it literally means God let them have what they wanted. God giving them up just means God said, okay, that's your choice. God gives people up to hell, not because he wants them to go, not because he even sends them, but because that's what people choose. God says, well, I made a better way. I sent my son to pay the price for you, but if that's your choice, okay. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie. Keep that in mind. Who changed the truth of God into a lie 
who changed the truth of God into a lie. That's what's happening so much in the world that we're living in today. It's the work of the devil. Words are being changed. The meaning of words are being changed to support what somebody wants to think or wants you to think or wants you to follow instead of accepting what's true. Join us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service with Pastor Mike Webb. Christmas is a special time here at Foothill Family Church. I want to especially invite you to our Christmas Eve candlelight service. We have a chance to celebrate when Jesus came to the earth to be our Savior. Come join us this Christmas Eve. Again, that's the Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6 p.m. December 24th at Foothill Family Church. For more information, go to www.mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Folks, the truth doesn't change. No matter who, who says otherwise or who defines whatever terms they want to define, the truth never changes. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature, meaning the creation, more than the Creator who is blessed forever. For this cause, verse 26, God gave them up, and again allowed them according to their own choice, gave them up to, up to a vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Now, this is the place where we're at in the world now. And because they did not want to retain God in their knowledge. That's why you have to shut the church up. If you're working according to the devil's agenda, it means that you have to shut the church up. But see, you can't can't allow the church to speak. You can't allow the church. And and persecution's coming, folks. It is just now on the edge. But watch it get worse and worse and worse. Now, I hope that doesn't frighten you. It kind of excites me. I'm not going to change a thing about what I'm saying. Because it's not my idea. I'm just preaching the word. And I don't care if somebody says, well, you're just judging. I'm not judging anybody. God has already judged when he gave us the word. I'm just agreeing with him. If you don't like what I'm saying, take it up with him. But see, you can't allow, if you're, the, if you're the government that's going the other way, you can't allow that to continue. You can't allow those voices to speak. So there'll be times, there'll be situations that'll arise, even like in the early days of the church, where the, the, the state, the powers that be, will, will threaten the churches not to speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus in the way that they do, uh, in the way that they consider to be intolerant speech. There may even come a point in time where the church... Speaking the word of God would be considered as hate speech. What are we going to do? I'm going to stick with the truth. Because the truth is the truth no matter who says what. If the truth wasn't true, I might change my opinion. But the truth is always true. So the Bible says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over again their choice. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. And then it talks about how that the things, the sexual impurity and the sexual uh, uh, laxity, anything goes ideas where sex is concerned leads to all kinds of other violent crimes and 
murders and deceits and, and other things. But notice where the devil starts. The devil starts with sexual thoughts, sexual attacks, and then it goes to other things. It progresses to other forms of sin. Now back to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read again beginning in verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as Gentiles, the unsaved walk, in the vanity of their mind. One translation says in the manipulation of knowledge. I think that's interesting. In the manipulation of knowledge. We see a lot of that taking place today. In the manipulation of knowledge. Walk not as other as Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. Now, the understanding means spiritual understanding. Understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Why in the world do people that are unsaved take such a violent and, and hostile approach toward the truth? Because they're separated from the life of God. They're separated from the life of God. Now, remember, Paul identifies that these are people that once knew God in Romans chapter 1. He's not saying the unsaved are unsaved just because it was bad luck. They never heard about Jesus. He's saying everybody has the opportunity to look at the creation and see there's got to be a creator. And that's the first step that if someone rejects God as the creator, can you say evolution? If God is rejected as the creator, then everything goes downhill spiritually from there. And they separate. Man separates himself. It's not God's doing. Man separates himself from the life of God by rejecting the creation. What we know of as the creation account in Genesis. That's why the Bible starts off in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God The basis for everything else is that in the beginning, there was one and only one thing that existed, and his name is God. If you don't believe that, you're sunk on everything else. Well, Pastor Mike, are you saying that a Christian can't believe in evolution? No, a Christian can believe in anything that he wants to, but he knows it's wrong. He knows it's wrong. Folks, the Lord said something, the Holy Ghost said something to me the other day in a time of prayer, and I haven't been able to get away with it, away from it. He said this. He said, Godless men, I was praying for the country. He said, Godless men and foolish Christians accept the devil's agenda. Godless men and foolish Christians accept the devil's agenda. I don't, that will probably never change. Okay, I'm, I promise I'm going to get to verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated, separated from the life of God. That's what spiritual death is, is separation from God. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Now, this is not ignorance that can be excused because they chose to be ignorant. From the, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world and he blinds the minds of them that, that, lest they should believe. Through the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, this word past feeling means feeling no pain. 
In other words, it's the same thing Paul was writing to Timothy about in 1 Timothy chapter 4 where he talks about people having their conscience seared as with a hot iron. You know, if you get a blister and then it calluses over, you can stick yourself with a pen in that place and not feel a thing. Well, you can do that spiritually too. You can ignore the Spirit of God. You can ignore the truth to the point where you have no spiritual feeling. Your conscience doesn't, doesn't bother you anymore about right and wrong. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, sexual immorality, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard of him. Actually, it's not heard of him, it's heard him. Paul is saying, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to walk in the Christian faith, you're going to have to know Jesus. He's the only one of them that you can know, by the way. But you have not so learned Christ, if so that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something, folks. There are very, very few times in the letters that Paul writes that he uses the name Jesus alone. He talks about our Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about uh, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior. But very, very seldom does Paul ever use Jesus alone. Why is that? Well, it comes, it goes down to the, uh, or comes down to the thing that he's talking about, about being renewed in your mind. Keep that in mind and we'll come back to it in just a moment. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I want you to notice something. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two, verse, uh, is it verse seven? I think it is where he says, we have the mind of Christ. Nowhere does the Bible say that we have the mind of Jesus. Why is that? Well, if you had the mind of Jesus, then you'd know everything about ancient Nazareth. You'd know all the back streets of ancient Nazareth. You'd know the, the, the cultural events and the, the situations in the world that he lived in in that day. You'd know everything about carpentry. You'd know everything about the territory around the Sea of Galilee. That would be the mind of Jesus. And so often people have a hard time, Christians have a hard time accepting the things that the Bible says that we are to do. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. The same works uh, and even greater works that shall you do because of going to my father. Well, why does the church have such a hard time with that? Because they're trying to think the, with the mind of Jesus. You don't have the mind of Jesus. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got the mind of the anointed one who did the works, who said, I'm not the one doing the works by myself or of myself. It's the mind of Christ that enables you to think beyond human limitations to what God's plan of redemption accomplished. That's the mind of Christ. And it's only with the mind of Christ that you're going to be able to put off the old man. Now, let me, let me make a qualification or a clarification about that. Paul said in Romans chapter 6 that the old man has been crucified with Christ. Paul wrote to the, uh, the uh, what's their name? Colossians. Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3. And he said that they have put off the old man. This is not the same thing he's saying here. This word off does not mean to remove his clothing like it does in the other places. It means to put away the old man. See, what he's saying is, be who God's made you to be. The old man has been put off by the work of Jesus on the cross, the fact that you made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Now live up to it. That's the practical application that he's giving in chapter 4. Live up to the new man 
that you've been made in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? By being renewed in the spirit of our mind. In other words, by taking upon ourselves the mind of Christ. What causes the mind of Christ to be developed in us? The knowledge of God through his word. The knowledge of God through his word. So he's telling us to put away the old man that died with Jesus. Don't keep living according to the old man because that's who you've been set free from. Put him away. Don't just set him aside to pick up and use later on when you yield to temptation. But put it away once and for all. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man. Notice you cannot put on the new man unless you renew your mind. This is what Paul was talking about to Romans in the Romans letter in chapter 12, verse 2. He said, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed to what? Transformed to live like the new man. That you may prove, literally experience, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's only the renewed mind living according to the new man, the Jesus life, the life of God that came to us through the sacrifice of Jesus our Savior. It's only through living according to that new man that you're going to experience the, the intent the purpose, and the will of God for you. It's the only way you'll be able to experience the blessings of God in His fullness. Now remember, Paul's just told us in the previous chapter that the eternal wisdom of God, the, the wisdom of God that was established before the foundation of the world and kept as a mystery throughout all the ages, was that man would be this new creature and exercise the same dominion over the devil that Jesus did when he was here on the earth. And that's the way for us to glorify God as individuals and as a church family. To live above the works of the devil. Not to succumb to the temptations of the devil. Oh, we're going to be tempted. We're going to be attacked. Those things are going to come. But to stand strong in faith and overcome those temptations and overcome those attacks. And that's what brings God glory. So be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. Which after God... By God, in other words, has been created in righteousness and true holiness. So if you're going to put on the new man, what are you going to be operating according to? Righteousness and true holiness. How do we do that? What does this new man look like? Again, we, if we stopped right here and just talked about the theory of it, we would say, wow, that's, that's wonderful. Yes, we should live according to the new man. But what does that mean? What does that look like? might mean one thing to me and something else to you. What does living according to the new man look like? What is putting off the old man and putting, on, putting away the old man and putting on the new man look like? Notice the first characteristics that he mentions in verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. The first thing he mentions is, is the Christian's relationship to the truth. So truth is this, is this moving target for everything except Christianity. And the first thing that the Bible tells you is to live according to the truth. One of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray was that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. There's nothing greater than to know who you are in Christ, what belongs to you because of Jesus' sacrifice, and what God's plan and purpose for your life really is. 
Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. We've been recreated. We've been made a new species of being by the life of God for one and only one purpose. is to exercise Jesus' victory over the devil in our lives. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.